The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. I have with us a terrific guest, like always. Um, we're very excited um, to have with us today. And I'm going to say the name, um, Corey, and you'll let me know if I, I mess it up. So I want everyone to say hello to Kareen Jameson Keel. Did I get that right? You did awesome. That's perfect. Thank you so much. So much easier. It's the hardest part of my day is pronouncing people's names. So I'm glad I, I got that right. I feel like today's a win. It's going to be a huge win for our audience today. Um, I know you, you do go by Corey too, correct? Do, yes. Awesome. So, Kareen, Corey, why don't you go ahead and um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you got involved in the, the world of dentistry. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, I'm actually going into my 30th year of being involved with private practice dental offices in several different capacities. Um, of course, like many people started out, you know, sterilizing instruments and just kind of learning the skills of, of the general practice and then furthered my education to obtain um, a bachelor's degree in science dental hygiene and decided from there I needed to go to business school. Fell completely in love with the business of dentistry. And so this is um, my third dental business that I've owned. I own Custom Dental Solutions, which provides practical solutions via training, um, basically all types of anything that a, a new dentist or a, a, a dentist who's looking to up their game in their practice, we can offer any sort of training or a skill assessment for them. And so basically getting into dentistry for me was the easy part, staying current and staying updated on what is going on in dentistry. We thrive on that in our company and I love doing that too. And I love being able to serve dentists in this way. Yeah, it's, it's fun, right? There's so much going on and things are always changing and, and being able to have that knowledge and share it with dentists that are busy doing dentistry and running their businesses is uh, something that I have a lot of gratitude for. It sounds like you do too. Um, so let's just jump right from there and um, we'll get into the subject of today's show. So um, like most of our guests, you're talking to dentists all the time, um, right? You're in practices, you're hands-on. Um, what are some common problems that you're hearing today? What are some challenges that you see dentists um, having today that uh, they need help with? Yeah, one of the biggest calls that I get, and actually just a call I got before I came on with you, Patrick, was, hey, I really wish that I would have upgraded my office manual when you told me to. I'm running into mm -hmm. some problems that I wasn't really aware of. So he kind of said, hey, I, I know I kind of, didn't have you help me with this. Can I crawl back to you and have you help me? And it wasn't the fact of you don't, you know, of course anyone is welcome at any time. But I think sometimes the, big, the biggest problem I find is our owners, they believe in people and they believe the good in people first, and they don't set themselves up for a successful employee engagement. Sure. Whether that's protecting themselves, like this owner that just called me, or not protecting the employees from each other. And so I think, I think one of the biggest pain points that I deal with is just having clear expectations in job descriptions, sure. office manuals, and what is expected to be an employee in your practice. Yeah, so there's so much to, to open up here. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna start uh, 
asking you some questions about this. So one of the things that I, I know about this is that younger generations of younger employees typically thrive. A lot of people complain about younger generations, but they actually thrive when they know the expectations and they know what their tasks are and exactly what they're supposed to do. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, so not having it, you're setting them up for failure, but let's talk about like the legalities of things. One of the first things um, that happens if you let an employee go and they file for unemployment or they file suit against you is the investigators want to see that employee handbook and that manual, right? It's something that they always ask for. So um, what should this employee handbook have? What are some things that outside of job descriptions it should have as far as expectations as an employee of the company? Yeah, great question, Patrick. And for sure, I would agree with you, especially in that unemployment phase or if you have to let someone go, you really want to make sure that your manual backs up what the policies were in your practice. So most private practice dental offices are under 50 employees. And so the rules are quite a bit different versus those companies, dental offices, et cetera, that are over 50. So when I kind of throw out some information here, definitely you know look into your own state as far as legalities and as far as what your attorney says as well, because certain states like California and Arizona have a little bit of a, a different employee law than, than others. So um, you know just keep that in mind as well. But one of the biggest things is when somebody maybe is not the best fit in your practice and they need to be released. And when they get released, they say, hey, I'm entitled to all this PTO that I've acquired, you know, accrued and, and so forth. And if your employee manual is not specific, does not specify what those terms are, should someone be released, then yes, if there is a lawsuit, you will need to pay that employee, you know, the vacation time that they said they accrued. And so it's really valuable. One of the biggest tips for me is when I'm coaching owners on those expectations in the manual, um, to have it written down that, all benefits cease upon termination. Now, not to say that if you choose to let someone go and you prefer at that time to make that case by case, you can always do a severance pay or something like that if you choose to do that. But sure. as a whole, you wanna protect yourself and just literally say all benefits cease upon termination. And that way, you know, in the, in the haze and the, in the craziness, sometimes these things, um, most of the time these things don't end well you want to be protected. So should there be a, a complaint filed with you against your state, then we have that backup and say, well, this was the practice manual. These were the policies this person signed. They were aware all benefits would be terminated upon or all benefits would cease upon termination for an example. Sure. Now, I think it goes without saying, but we're going to say it. You have to have it in a manual, right? So if you're in a practice okay. and you don't have, you need to reach out to someone to get help with it, where obviously you can help with something like this. Um, tell me when you look at for practices who have a manual and maybe that manual hasn't been touched in forever. Um, and, and you probably know this by how long it takes you to get to that manual. Um, what are some things in a current manual that someone may have that needs to be reviewed? Um, potentially that you see issues with some, someone's like, oh, no, 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 here's my manual. I have it. What are some common mistakes and flaws that you see in manuals that people need to look out for? So it is a requirement by the federal government that every employee is classified. So one of the biggest issues I see are people, especially in dentistry, because we, you know, maybe work 30 hours or, you know, 26 hours and we're all over the place with what we do from an hourly standpoint, people are not appropriately classified. 
So make sure your manual is very clear on what full-time status means for your practice, what part-time status means for your practice, or if you're a limited employee. That needs to be very clear. And the other thing that seems to be a pretty big issue as well is what are the expectations culturally in your practice, such as um, what are you going to accept or not accept? Meaning I need to have a written, uh, I need to have it in writing that I'm going to need a four week vacation or what are my standards if I you know, become pregnant and need a maternity leave? Those are really valuable pieces to have in that manual. And again, the federal government lays this out on the OSHA website too, for those of you that want to take a, a gander at writing your own manual, you can do that as well. So there are certain things that are required and those are parts of them. Um, what is the, the worker's rights? But then also, what are you in return as the employer giving them in the sense of benefits or other expectations, such as maybe you're going to do a CE stipend. It's expected that everyone in your practice, you know, par participates in the CE adventure for the year or something like that. So you can really create those books to really fit your culture. With a few exceptions though, Patrick, sometimes people get a little picky and they like to put in things that are not legal. You can absolutely not put in somebody's hair color needs to be a certain style. Uh, we can get away with it and say, you know, conservative hairstyle is preferred, but we can't def we can definitely not tell somebody how they can looked, look or how they can be. Um, you also need to state what religious observations that you may have, um, whether, you know, your culture might be Jewish, someone might be Christian. We're coming together in such a difference of cultures that what are the observable holidays that you're going to have? That also should be in your manual so people sure. understand what your particular practice observes for holidays. Yep, that makes sense. So a couple of, this is a tough question. Um, I'm sure you've dealt with this. You don't have a manual or your manual is just really, really sloppy. Um, hasn't been used in, in years. And now you want a manual because you're having some employee issues um, that aren't clearly defined that you wanna make sure are clearly defined, um, both for your benefit, the employee's benefit, but then also to protect you legally, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do you implement this? So all of a sudden you kind of go from being, you know, very loose and very liberal with your policies to, hey, no, I've had this issue too many times. I'm kind of putting my foot down. How do you bring this new policy this new handbook to your current employees without uh, blowing up uh, the entire ship? Yeah, for sure. This happens a lot. So thank you for asking this question. This happens a lot, again, with people that are newer owners uh, that really believe that, oh, this is going to be great to own a practice. And, you know, I'm the same age as a lot of my employees and we're all just going to be one big happy team. And then about two years into it, it's like, shoot, you know, there's issues to your reference and I need to put something in place. I think number one, letting your team know that a practice manual or practice policy handbook, whatever term you'd like to call it, is coming. And that any rules or anything that was standard previous to that paper, again, we want it in paper. You can also have an electronic copy, but anything previous to that will just be that. It's old news. So we're going to start again. And at the time of our recording, we're in the middle of December. So I love to use January as a, as a time for renewal. And it's a time to update your manual. Um, I encourage a manual to be updated every year anyway. But if you're someone who hasn't had it updated or doesn't have one at all, start in January if you can pull that time together and say, you know, again, January 15th, these are the new policies. These are the new standards for our practice. And people get on board pretty quickly. Um, I've, I've worked with many, many teams that have had this particular scenario and they actually feel 
really happy about it because as your point was earlier, people feel secure in what their expectations are. They feel secure in knowing what is expected of them day out, day in, and then also how their employer is going to support them through the manual as well. Yeah, so um, I think it's it, it can be scary, but this is one of these things that I think once you get into the process of it, it's, it's really not that bad um, or not that hard. And, and like you said, employees will probably actually respond very positively to it. So let's not make a, a bunch of um, fear where there doesn't need to be any. Um, I've got one last question for you on this subject. And I actually saw this in a forum um, over the weekend and it had to do with an associate dentist, but I've also seen this happen with office managers and positions that tend to be more salary based. So there is a significant difference between salary and hourly as far as what you can and what you can't ask those employees what to do and what their expectations um, are and are. How do you properly list out the expectations of a salary employee, which is our, hey, you got to get the job done. Sometimes you may have to take a call at night or you may have to work on a Saturday or on a Sunday or whatever. How do you, how do you lay that out um, in a way that makes sure that everyone's on the same page as far as expectations are concerned? And then... Um, what do you do if that person constantly breaks what you expect from them or, or doesn't follow what you expect from them? So two questions for you. Yeah. So I, first of all, would like to have someone be an hourly employee before I would ever start a salary situation. And I am speaking specifically to our experience here in dentistry. This might not be in other industries, but for us in dentistry, I think it's really valuable to understand what someone is doing within that hourly week. So if you have, let's, let's use a practice manager, for example, and let's say your practice is open 40 hours a week. So they're considered full-time and they've come to you and approached you that they want to be on a salary because they feel like, you know, it's just, they're all over the place with all these different things. So what I would, what I do in those situations, I say, you tell me your job description, write down your job description. I'd like to see it's very interesting to see what someone thinks that they do and how much time it takes them because we all have different perceptions of time and it all takes us different, different levels of energy to do different things. And so starting that process by you're on hourly now, let's see what you're doing within those hours. And then when you want to feel that person is trustworthy, move them to a salaried role, understanding that it's been very clear via conversations and written job description, what is expected during those salary times. And just like what, whether someone's an hourly employee or a salaried employee, you're still going to do your reviews. You're still going to do your check-ins. So let's say you've moved that person to salary and all of a sudden you're not seeing the work ethic that maybe you did before, just to kind of use your example, Patrick. We sure. want to sit that person down and say, hey, Sally, is something going on? We want to be caring, number one. People really want to be cared for in today's society. They don't want to be bombarded with judgment. They want to be cared for. Right. So I would ask for that purpose first. Is something going on? And Sally can say, no, what do you mean? I've noticed some changes in your work. Generally, you know, you're here till five o'clock every night. You've been leaving at three. I didn't know, is there maybe a family thing going on or, you know, something where you going to doctor? Because again, in dentistry, we're super relational. We can have those conversations that are usually pretty welcomed. Um, again, you have to kind of know your audience and you have to know, you know, who you're dealing with when you ask some of these more personalized questions. But that's how I would approach it if someone is really all of a sudden cutting the slack. Um, and I, I guarantee you most of the time, 
that person that was amazing at what they did before and is all of a sudden starting to slack in your eyes has something else going on in their life. And so sure. coming alongside and supporting them is always the first response. If you continue to see an issue, then you do have to ask yourself the three questions that I always tell my owners when it comes to employee performance. Number one is, this: is it, does this person need more training? Perhaps we haven't trained them appropriately. Number two, are they capable? Do they have the ability to learn what we need them to learn and do that at a high level? Or number three, do they are they not able to do that? So an example of that would be we hire a dental assistant who's just not tactically able to do the job. And those are really sad because we have to let someone go because they're wonderful. They just physically can't do the job. So those are kind of my three questions that I always coach on of why when you're having those approaches with employees of how that can look. Yeah, makes total sense. Um, we're about ready to wrap up here and I think you've got um, Great question here for you. Um, if somebody needs help with their handbook, right, because they're having some issues or they want to prevent having some very serious issues and they're looking for an expert such, of your, such as yourself to help them with this, what are a couple of questions they should ask that person while vetting them or before they hire them? Yeah, number one, you want to make sure that whatever path you take as far as developing the policies for your practice, absolutely follow your federal guidelines, number one. Federal guidelines trump state guidelines. Then you also need to look in your state guidelines to see what types of things are specific to your state versus someone else. Because oftentimes doctors will say, oh, my, my dentist friend is in Texas and I'm going to just use his or her uh, manual. Well, no, what, you, what happens for you in Illinois might not happen for them in Texas. So that's a question I would ask. And then number two, what culture are you really trying to grow and, and put that through your um, office manual? Because your mission and vision also needs to be a huge part of that book um, sure. because you're going to continue to build on that. Because when you are attracting team members, you're going to give them a copy of that so they can see what they're getting into. So yeah. those are a couple of the big pieces for me. Yeah. For those um, that are dentists that are listening to this, like this is one of these things where, yeah, you're going to have to invest some money in this. But if you invest some money in helping, getting someone to help you with this, you're going to keep your hands busy doing dentistry, which you're great at, and that's going to pay for itself a hundred times over, and it's going to cost you a lot less headaches. Uh, which absolutely. Is for so, um, website is kareenjamisonkeel.com. Um, we'll put that up on our website and on social media too. So follow the link, um, check it out. Lots of great information on the website. Um, Corey, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Patrick. Have a great day.